Welcome to the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast, where we are all about going beyond programs, beyond best practices, and beyond curriculum to recover and learn from our Wesleyan roots and to explore the foundations for small groups that are organized to beat the devil and that produce disciples of Jesus Christ, who in turn disciple others. My name is Scott Hughes, and I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Discipleship Ministries. Today's interview is with Dale McConkie. Dale is a sociology professor. He's been that for 26 years at Barry College in North Georgia. He's also written a book, a book called United Methodist Divided, Understanding Our Differences Over Homosexuality. I actually met Dale uh, earlier this summer. I was doing some research on discipleship in the small church, and we connected over that and then uh, and, and also learned that he was writing this book. Um, just to give you a little more information about Dale, uh, Dale has been a chaplain at Berry College. He's also five years as a part-time local pastor in Mount Tabor United Methodist Church in a town that I'm going to let him pronounce later on. Um, and he's also been a Wesley director. Um, he was married for 26 years. He's got two adult children. And what I really appreciate, Dale, and I think you'll hear this in the interview is his heart. He has a real humility to him, and he's, in this book, he's really attempting to put us in the place where we are seeking to understand from one another, and I think it really is a, a great resource for small groups, for Sunday school classes, and, and I'll say a little more after the interview, so with that, um, here's my interview with Dale McConkey. Well, Dale, thank you so much for joining the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast. I appreciate your time and your availability and, and what you've done in this resource, United Methodist Divided, and your, your resource that you provided for, for churches who I know are having some difficult conversations. Uh, at least I hope they're having these conversations um, before we get to General Conference 2019. It seems like a lot of Methodists are kind of holding their breath until we get there. Um, so I appreciate this resource and I appreciate you joining me. What I, I'd like to do is just let you kind of tell people about who you are and what led you to writing this book. Well, thanks, Scott. And I certainly appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about the book on your podcast. Um, sure. My name is uh, Dale McConkie, and I, for 25 years, I've been a sociology professor at Barry College. And about 17 years ago, I had a call also to go into ministry and okay. serve as a, a chaplain for uh, nearly a decade. And now I'm serving as a part-time local pastor uh, in addition to my sociology uh, position, I'm serving as a pastor at a, at a small rural congregation in Armurchi, Georgia, Mount Tabor. Glad, United glad Methodist. you're the one that said that city. Say it again. <laughs> Armurchi. Armurchi. Yeah. There's a, there's a silent R in there somewhere. I guess the, or, or an invisible R. that you're There you go. Yeah. But, um, but it's a small congregation of very loving people. I absolutely mm -hmm. love uh, serving up there. Well, but for my sociological research, uh, after General Conference of 2016, mm -hmm. I just saw, you know, some, some major decisions were going to be made, and, and I decided to shift my, my research focus to understanding all the uh, happenings that were, that were going on in the United Methodist Church, mm -hmm. and understanding the divisions and the potential schism, and then also how that's happened in so many other mainline denominations, and so I started just doing background research to, to understand hoping to do some, some original sociological research. And as I started gathering the information, pretty quickly I said, this information would be, would be helpful to, to others as well, and not just for sociological research, but it might help other United Methodists. So I immediately decided I was going to gather 
the the background information I was collecting and, and put it into a resource where other people could understand uh, why we're divided in 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 the various ways that that we uh, understand the issue of homosexuality differently and how that might impact the decisions that we make at the special general conference. Yeah, and you've you've done a lot of research, obviously. I mean, I, I think we're kindred spirits in some ways, right? I have a bachelor's degree in sociology, so perhaps that that is one reason why I really enjoyed a resource. And I've I've read several of these, and and there there's similarities, there's uniqueness. I think one of the uniquenesses you have is that um, while you do cover the Wesley Quadrilateral, and we'll, we'll get into that in a minute, but you also include plans from the Way Forward final report, which I think was really important that you were able to include those, um, the, the, that report, um, again, just to get information into people's hands. Uh, how long did it take you to put all this together? Well, as I said, I came up with the idea pretty soon after uh, General Conference of, of 2016. And so I've been collecting information for, for a little over two years. And then I, I started writing um, probably about a year or so ago. But it was really over this, this past uh, six months, I'd say, when I was really focused on the, on the writing portion uh, of the book. And one of the, one of the great things about, you know, I, I uh, published this on my own. And one of the, mm -hmm. the helpful things about that was that I could hold off until the end mm -hmm. of July when the Way Forward report came out. And so that, that was very helpful to be able to include that information. Like, like you said, so I was, that was a, that was a helpful part of the book. I, I, I agreed to, to get that information out to, to people. Okay. Well, and, and I don't know if this is unique, but it is unique to us Methodists anyway, and that is you use the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Why, why did you um, frame, it, frame the book that way? Well, I've always greatly appreciated the Wesleyan quadrilateral as a way to organize how to understand God's truth. You know, how, how are we supposed to understand what God is saying to us and I've always appreciated that United Methodists, you know, I, I guess have a way of organizing the, the adage, all truth is God's truth. Well, what mm. does that, what does that mean? And, and then to say, well, we, we, we see God's work and we see God's love in a variety of ways. And we see God's grace uh, through the scriptures. And I really like how uh, Wesleyan tradition emphasizes mm. that it's primarily through the scriptures that we understand and experience God's grace but that the other three parts of the quadrilateral are very understand, uh, very important to understanding uh, that the, the scriptural message. And so uh, tradition and experience and reason all help us understand what scripture is communicating to us. Yeah, and I think you're right that it really does help become a discerning tool. What, what did you learn as you were writing this, especially about the Wesleyan quadrilateral? Did anything new come up as you were writing this? I guess the, the one thing that came out as I was writing it was um, I knew that we used it differently, but mm. it, the, the differences really came out uh, as, I was, as I was doing the, the research and trying to organize it and, and understand and be fair and balanced on, on both sides of the, of the discussion. But it, it just uh, really jumped out at me, especially how uh, the issue of experience is used differently. The, that, that, that leg of the quadrilateral um, is, is used quite differently by, by traditionalists and progressives. Yeah, so I think there's two things there. The first is, and this is something I've heard from from a number of folks, and that is you 
you can only strive for this, but I, I think you've achieved this, and that is a fairness to both sides. You tried to kind of put yourself in each way and not not have an agenda one way or the other, but just to kind of present here's here's what we have before us. And the other, um, I think you do a better job with the Wesleyan quadrilateral than than most. Um, to me, and, and this may be, I don't know if it's blasphemous on a Wesleyan <laughs> podcast to say that I'm not a, a huge fan of the Wesleyan quadrilateral, mostly because of how it ends up being used. And that is, to me, it's almost abused to the sense of people just kind of put in what they want to, so the output becomes what they want it to be. Right. They look at just the tradition they want to look at, just the scripture passages they want to look at, look at their own experience, use their own reason. And voila, <laughs> you know, what they wanted to, to begin with is what they ended with. And, and discernment didn't didn't really take place. And I think you do a good job pushing on that a little bit. Well, I, I really appreciate that. And that was definitely a major uh, goal of mine was to be completely fair to to both sides of of the division within the United Methodist Church. And I always, I always tell my students, you know, you don't have to agree with this theory or that theory, but you have to understand mm. uh, how, how these theories are used and understood. And that's the approach that I took when, when, when writing the book. And so you don't have to agree with the traditionalist position or agree with the progressive position, but, but it's important for us as, as United Methodists during this time, especially to understand both those positions uh, going into General Conference uh, 2019. So that was that was a major uh, goal of mine. And I completely agree with you that the, the Western Quadrilateral, um, it's a tool. It's not it's not doctrine. It's not, mm-hmm. it's, not a specific, it's, a, it's a tool. And like any tool, you can you can misuse it. And when you mm-hmm. misuse the tool, you often get hurt. And, yeah. and I think that I, I think uh, your your uneasiness about the, the quadrilateral is 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 well placed because I think very often when we go in to find the answers in scripture or find the answers in our own experience that we want, we, we will find what we're looking for. Yeah. Uneasiness. I like the way you put that. <laughs> I'm not to use that. I think that's right. Uneasiness. So what's been the reaction? What, how, what have you heard from those who've read it? Well, I've been so uh, happy with the, with the initial response. Uh, like I said, the, uh, such a primary goal of, of writing it was to be fair to to both sides of the divide within the United Methodist Church, and consistently the feedback has been it it achieves that that it's been a, it's a very fair presentation of of the divisions that we have, and the other thing I was a little nervous because the book came out a little bit longer than I had anticipated, and so I was a little nervous that it would come over as uh, a little bit too academic sounding, but it has been just the opposite that that. Okay. The, very consistent feedback has been that it's very easy to read and it's accessible, but also um, I, it's, it still has some nuance in it. So it, it goes, it has some depth to the positions and it doesn't treat them at just a superficial level, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Um, and so you, you said you've used this, right? This isn't just something you wrote and put on the shelf, but that you've, you've used this in your own setting. And I'm, I'm very curious about that being in Armurchi. Armurchi, <laughs> yep. I'm never going to get that right. And I'm from North Georgia, but I, I should. Um, how, you know, that's a rural place. I mean, describe, I think for a listener, they're not going to be very familiar with where that is and what that town looks like, and then how you use this in your setting. Well, Armurchi is set between a, a two uh, foothills. Uh, we, we call them mountains, but let's be honest, they're, they're foothills. <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's a very rural place, uh, lots, of, lots of farming, and, and most people, you know, commute out to, 
to local cities uh, for, for the work. Uh, we don't even have cell service. That so mm. uh, every time there's a question that comes up that I don't know, I can't look smart and, and look it up. <laughs> I, I, I have to just shrug my shoulders and confess that I don't know the answer. But um, so and, and the congregation itself, we, we usually have 35 or 40 uh, in attendance on a Sunday morning. So it's it's a small, like I said, very loving group though. And for for a small rural community, we we've got some 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 good diversity, uh, both in in demographics, but also in 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 our viewpoints. But but we are very traditional in our, in our way. And I haven't used the, the book in its fullness and we haven't, you know, um, I've given con uh, copies to my congregation, but we haven't done a full six week Bible study or anything like that. But I did a two week study with a, with a Wednesday night group uh, on the basic issues. And I was, and I started off by telling them that our, our goal here isn't to decide which side is right and which side is wrong. Our, our, our goal is just to understand mm. how, United Methodists come up with two very different understandings of, of what God is calling us to do on the issue of homosexuality. And so we discussed the, 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 the general issues in chapter one and, and where general conference was happening. And the, they found the general conference discussion in chapter six, the, about the special general conference coming up. They wanted to know the details of how that was going to work out. So I was, I was very happy and interested to see them, uh, wanting to know those kinds of details that are, yeah. that are that are included, but then we we spent the second week not focusing on all four aspects of the quadrilateral, but just scripture. We went through the the, the six core passages uh, and and some of the more general themes that people will will discuss, and and they were very well um, receptive to the uh, to the discussion and to the issues, and and they we're we're very thankful that we had that discussion and, and we're hoping that we could do more in, into the future okay well and two things that i heard there is you set the expectations well right we're not going to debate this there's not going to be winners and losers of a debate let's seek to understand right let's learn from one another uh, and then let's let's gather some information and i think that's that's a really helpful way of of setting that groundwork so how do you see this book being used? How would you hope that it's used? Well, I hope that, uh, that, that individuals will read it and, and we'll get something out of it. But, but I've also uh, included some reflection questions at the end that can be good for individuals um, or for uh, groups. And so I hope that some, some groups will use it as a, as a study as well. Uh, at the end of each chapter, as I mentioned, there are some, some questions that ask uh, not necessarily to take positions, but to say, well, how do you understand? Now, now that you've understood both mm -hmm. these issues, how do you understand this to be? And um, what do you, um, how do you think um, United Methodists uh, will understand this issue going forward or, or, or can come to an agreement on this? And so, so they're, they're prompt questions that don't give a, a right or a wrong, but they do ask people to be, to be thoughtful about what they just, uh, what they just read. So I hope that um, people will find it useful for either individual um, reflection or for group conversation. Yeah, I do think it'd be helpful f for both of those. And I, I do think, uh, I know a Sunday school, Sunday school class locally that's going to be using it. And I, and I would say that it, it, it would be helpful if you, if you want information, right? I just, I just want the information yeah. to begin to process some of this. I think it's, it's very, very helpful. Now, I, when we talked beforehand, you said you had some questions for me. So I'm, you know, I'll, you can, we can turn the tables a little bit and I'll let you, uh, you know, inquisition me for a bit. So. <laughs> yeah, well, well, absolutely. Um, one of the, you know, one of the appendices that I have, one of the, one of the background 
uh, one of the secondary motives I had in writing the book was just to help uh, United Methodist with with all the, the jargon that we use. Mm -hmm. And um, before I was a, a pastor, and even while I was a pastor, just understanding general conference and uh, jurisdictions mm -hmm. and annual conferences and central conferences, you know, so I, so I have some appendices too to help us understand what those are. But one of the appendices I have is um, other resources, and I mentioned your Courageous Conversations uh, resource on online, and I, I think um, my perception is that that those are aiming to do uh, very much the same thing that I was trying to do. Like, let's sit down and talk and be informative and not sit down and argue about these, but let's try to understand one another. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate you, you linking to those. And, and what I would add to that there, I think, is that the Credit Conversations is very much about getting the setting right hmm. so that when we structure the conversation appropriately, so that when we have it, it goes well. And so that it doesn't become, you know, the word discussion is actually related to the word percussion, right? We don't want to bang up against one another in a mm -hmm. discussion. Rather, we want to have a, a dialogue, uh, very much like what you've said, to seek to understand one another, to, to be informed, to, to, to grow in our perspectives, both of what we believe and what others believe. And that takes some work to get there, to get that environment and get that structure set so that people neuro neurologically, emotionally, they're there. They're, they're ready to engage in a helpful way and not coming in a defensive way, an argumentative way, because that, that's our tendency. And especially in this partisan society, we feel mm -hmm. like we have to defend our beliefs. And that, I'm not sure that's the way we're supposed to be in the church. <laughs> right? So... That's, I think that's a great point, and and your your point about our culture. Our culture is in such an adversarial mode right now mm -hmm. that we really don't have many places that model for us mm -hmm. uh, just a open and thoughtful exchange of ideas rather than argument over ideas. And so I I hope that others will will do that. And I I really appreciated what you said about setting up the context, or that, that's at least how I I translated yeah. what what you were saying, is that. Um, just like I was saying about the quadrilateral being a tool, you know, this book or any other resource that you use is a tool for discussion mm -hmm. and you can misuse it. Right. And so setting up here, here are our goals here mm -hmm. is what we are trying to achieve in this conversation, uh, I think is, is very important. And yeah. so I appreciate that you have those resources there to, uh, to, to help congregations with that. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. That's why I try to tell people set the goals and expectations up front so that people know what they're getting into. Right. So, because they're already going to be afraid. They're afraid that the partisanship they experience is going to come into their churches. They're afraid the relationships that are so meaningful to them are going to be broken. But if we can do this in a helpful way, because I think you were kind of getting to this too. To me, we in the church ought to be the witness to the world. Right. Here's how we love one another amidst disagreement. Absolutely. Right? The church has always had these sort of disagreements. We've had this core that we agree on. And the thing that brings us to the table is we've had an experience with grace. Right. Now, if we have that in common, we can hopefully hear one another differently, love one another differently and learn from one another differently. And, and show one another that same grace, you know, that, mm -hmm. that we are, that people who hold different convictions aren't doing it out of spite. Right. And so, so, so they feel just as strongly as we do about our convictions. And so to, to give people 
the grace as we are trying to understand one another, I think is, is, is exactly right. The, the, the model that the church could be showing uh, to the rest of the world. Yeah. Well, one thing I'll add about how to use your book, at least for my own two cents to recommend is for small groups is to, to not just rush through it. And I would say this is really true of any book, but I think yours especially is take some time with it. Don't just rush through it and take one chapter a week. Maybe you need to spend a couple of weeks on a particular chapter, right? Because in a small group, one of the things that is so important are those relationships that hopefully there's some trust there in those relationships that we can begin to, to voice our disagreements and not hurt each other, but begin to hear one another and to work with one another. And I think a small group setting over a, a longer period of time, I mean, one of my convictions when I created Creative Conversations is that we have to take the conversation lower down the levels of structures so that it's in local churches and especially in small groups. Those are the places to have the conversations. When we get to the general conference level, people's agendas are so high. They don't really know each other well. We're not, it's a different style of work and if we can do that work in small groups and local congregations i feel like we're going to get somewhere i think that's a, i think that's a great point uh the having these conversations at a, at a lower level where where you know the individual and so you just don't see them as a as a position right you see them in their in their fullness and so then then you see uh that their position is just one part of who they are and it's much more difficult uh, to think of that person as an adversary rather than as, as, a, as a person that you want to, to understand why they think the way that they do. I, I like that a lot. But hopefully we take it more seriously, right? If, if my friend who I've been with in relationship with for years has a disagreement with me, hopefully I hear it. Whereas, you know, if it's someone on the radio or someone on TV, I can just dismiss it. <laughs> but if it's someone in my small group who I love and has nurtured me and I've nurtured them, man, I'm going to wrestle with this more. So, yeah, that makes, that makes, that makes great sense. So th this has been, I think, very helpful. Any last words you would have about how you, how you see the book being used or uh, your hope for, for it? No, I would just say that, that there are, there are many good books out there. Yeah. And, and so, I, you know, I just encourage everyone to, to explore what is best for what they need in their particular setting. Mm. Um, you know, uh, there, there are some that are very, you know, aimed at a particular uh, point of view, which gives you great depth in that one position. Mm -hmm. Some will uh, jump back and forth uh, with different authors uh, presenting oh, yeah. points of views. And, and some are just trying to be, let's focus on the unity. But if, but if you want uh, a, a book that tries to really emphasize, here's why we differ, here's how we differ, um, but, but let's just look at the differences. Uh, you're not going to find any answers. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, take any position in any direction. It really is just an emphasis on uh, information and not advocacy in any way. Yeah, well, I appreciate this resource. I appreciate you, Dale, and um, I look forward to continuing being a mission together. Well, Scott, thank you very much. Me too. Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Reverend McConkie. He was a pleasure to be with. Um, I, I will say this, I, I have a copy, so if uh, the first person who emails me at suesumcdiscipleship.org, I will I'll send you a copy of United Methodist Divided. Uh, I do think it's a good resource, and I, I think it's particularly helpful in this, in this time of suspicion. Um, and when there's suspicion 
Um, it undermines community. It undermines trust. It undermines learning. And I think what Dale has attempted to do is to put us in a posture where we might try and hear the best uh, of what others are trying to say. If you want more information about uh, how to structure these sorts of conversations, uh, you can go back and check out uh, episode 43 we did. And uh, I, I talked with Chris um, Chris Barbary uh, about Courageous Conversations. I've got some more information on that on our website, umcdiscipleship.org. Just look under Topics and you'll find Courageous Conversations there. Because I really do believe that it's in small groups. It's in Sunday school classes. That these, these sort of micro-communities are the best places to have deep conversations where we're going to disagree because hopefully these ongoing relationships will, will bring us to a deeper discussion and deeper sense of learning and growing in our perspective of one another and appreciation for one another. And, and I know I'm, I'm like many who are daily in prayer for the upcoming general conference. And, and so I, I pray that you'll take advantage of this and other resources. There are certainly others that are good as well. I don't want to say this is the, the best one or another one's the best one. There's lots of good ones um, take some time, find what works for you, and I, and I hope you'll have have good, courageous conversation. Have the courage to come to the table of conversation and the courage to stay when times get difficult. So I want to thank, give, give a big thanks again to Dale for, for what he's offering the church. I also want to give a shout out to, to those who helped make this possible. I want to give a big thanks to our technical director, Blake, Matt Carlisle, our web producer, and Steve Horswell-Johnson, our executive producer. I do hope you'll interact with me. Send me uh, your emails. Um, send, find me on Twitter. I'm at Rev Scott's Tweets. Also at UMC Adult Forum for adult formation. You can find more information and more resources on our website at Discipleship Ministries. And so until next time, peace. Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.